when I speak to my friends, they have no idea how much no their parents earn. Like, do they own their house? I don't know. Like, what do they pay in this? What do they what, mm. do? They own anything? They have no idea. It's a taboo topic. topic. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I don't it's taboo. Just there's no Where's the impetus to have these discussions? Mm. But. So you're saying you drive a lot. Why do you drive a lot? Um, well, it's I always have to go far places. I think I've been driving a lot more in the last three months when I was working on Channel 4, driving to different shoots because I get travel sick. So I don't like... If they, a you passenger know, travel sick? Yeah, yeah. So you drive? Should, no, no, not when I drive. So mm. like, you know, like if a brand arranges me like a cab, I can't really do that because I feel travel sick. So I oh, tend to drive myself places. So if, if I want to do up sexy and pick up my girl and do that... You'd be there getting sick in the corner. Wow. wow. <laughs> I did not expect it to go so left so quickly. No, we saying, barely I, started. I actually did the one hand to you. You know what you're just doing and you're looking at your girl like, oh, and you're just there. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not as bad now. It's gotten better. Mm-hmm. But I have, do you know what? Passenger, front passenger isn't that bad. But because of COVID, if you get a cab, you can't really do front passenger anymore. Mm. So you have to be in the back. The back... Give me a right bag. Or? Give me a bag. Really? What happens to you? Were you, were you actually I, on a puke? Yeah. Like I remember I was going to a shoot for a brand and um, it was like an hour drive. So they got me a cab there and back. Mm. It was the worst experience of my entire life. The really? worst experience of my entire life. So going there, I thought, oh, it's because I haven't even really eaten. Like, obviously I get casted, but it's probably exacerbated it. Mm. And then the way home, I was meeting up with my friends and I genuinely was messaging my friends. So if I throw up in this cab... I'm gonna have to fuck out that feet because I said I'm gonna throw up right here, right now. <laughs> I felt so bad. Boss man was like, should I try to pull over? He pulled over for about five minutes. So all right, we should keep going. I said, uh, I said, you know what? Just just get me home. Like, just I'd rather just be home. Like, mm. I don't I don't want to break again. It's just get me home, have the windows open. And when I got out, I didn't throw up in my house, but I literally was like, give me water. Like, I told my family, just give me water, give me something, because I'm gonna throw up right now. Is it the same with boats? Oh, boats are terrible. Boats yeah, boat, are boats, boats, boats must finish you, that probably. boats. It's the worst thing ever. I remember I got on... Was it the movement that just makes you feel... Yeah, I think it's the motion. It's literally the motion. I remember I got on a ferry. It was like a trip. I got on a ferry. I spent half the the journey in the toilet. When I came out, I said, nah, I want to see the water. I walked to the water. I went... "Mm." I said, nah. My journey was in the toilet. Did you do like jet skis and stuff? Or is it all around? I don't know. I would do it. Because, you know, live life to the fullest. But whether or not I'd be sick, I probably wouldn't be. I think it's just me being a passenger on things is just not great. I'm fine on planes. I've done called back and that's fine. Okay, so I can oh. take you to the, the bad end. Wow, this is... I don't know how... I'm just, I'm just asking I questions. I just don't know how we got here. I'm okay. asking questions. So you could be in the back of the quad back and room, room and you'll be I good. can be in the front. Because I've been in the front. to be behind. Like some... Like I, I don't know how we got into this pairing. Oh, okay. But, no, I thought uh, you were insinuating. I wasn't. You, oh, you, wasn't. You, you brought this... Clearly, there's been some confusion you, here. You brought this here. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's God trying to feel like... There you go, see <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a liar. Bessie. Bossa. So, after those te- technical difficulties, it's time to introduce the guests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we got a queen of the dollars. The property princess. Channel 4 superstar. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Event Kiar, a.k.a. Pennies to Pounds. That is me. Clap for yourself. Thank you. Never really get an applause. Thank you. <laughs> and then to my left... We've got a plant-based warrior, the vegan dickhead. Wow. 
Mr. Fake Jamaican with the dreads. What? Me, na lie you tell. Hey, man, I really get me. So Ed's aka so Edicus. Listen, you know we here we're back again. Do you get me? And you got me, the most masculine host of the pod. Love I this. got my vegan Ric Flair drip. You get me? Hey, do you know it's in the custom so far? Custom, yeah. bro. This guy come, <laughs> come with the boot cuts. Oh, serious, though. That there, serious, oh. bro. Ready for war, still. Nah, you're looking like a victim today, still. Nah, man. I just <laughs> look. I, I just, just look. I, I look. I look more vegan than you. That's why you upset. look like you could get moved nah, to never, today, bro. Listen, my top's vegan, fam. Get me? Yeah. No, no, nothing was harmed in the making of this top, fam. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You trying to check labels? Mr. Five or Five, Five or Six on Tinder. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> the Yellow Pages on his wedding day. Bro, why do you think oh I wear Air Forces, bro? Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, needs the, he needs them platforms. He's got high heels, bro. Oh. Yeah, so, man. without further ado, let's get ready to dominate! Come on, as you know, we're back again with another episode. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Listen. On the journey to 1,000, news lot were very helpful. Yeah, we finally made it. We've monetized now. So now it's time to take it to new levels. So help us out and keep going. Let me make sure if, you, if you're watching the video and you subscribed already, subscribe. Otherwise, Daily's going to stomp on you, bro. And you know why I'm very annoyed? I recently actually delved into our YouTube analytics. 87% of our listeners don't subscribe to us, bro. Eighty-seven percent, and about fifty percent are regular returners. So that means roughly about 33 percent of people, roughly, who return, don't subscribe. So some of you lot are snaky mm-hmm. because you're there preying. You want to see what we're doing, but you don't want to. You don't want to help us grow with it. That's fucked. If I find out who you are, I you know might get long stone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So yeah, don't forget. It means a lot to us. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell, and if you're already subscribed on the YouTube. Follow us on the spot. Likes as well. and subscriptions are free. It doesn't actually hurt you to I do it in it. So, yeah, we see he's moving mad. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we're in. So today we wanted to bring a question. Um, obviously on your platform, talk about a lot of things uh, finance related. I do. And congrats on the recent um, Channel Four episode. Thank you. It's, it's already out. What's the content called? Just yeah, so in. it's a series that I've been recording for the last like three, four months called Money on My Mind. We just just finished about two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that was a. Fun time, but a lot of recording. Um, it's called Money in My Mind. It's a digital series online on the Channel 4 YouTube. So the third episode literally just came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's every three weeks, it's a new episode. We've recorded six episodes. Um, so yeah, every basically every episode, we are helping someone or people with their financial situation. And there's three of us who have different expertise mm-hmm. and just helping them out so so for people that don't know just give us a quick breakdown of what you do your background who you are yeah Yeah. before we get into the questions before we get into any questions um so my name is kia i am the founder of a platform called pennies to pounds it initially started off as just a podcast in 2019 and it was off the back of me creating a tweet about the help to buy isa Mm -hmm. which was a government funded scheme that was about to close. So I created a thread on it. Oh, you created that thread. That was me. That was Both you. of you. Oh my gosh, I was reacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah, me. Yeah, oh my gosh, scary. Yeah, yeah, that was me. You're the reason my mom got onto me. Make <laughs> sure you're up on the account. Make sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I created that. But at the time, it's so interesting. I only had like 800 followers on Twitter. So I was no, I was pretty much a no one, right? Mm. And I made that thread to put on Instagram because that's why I had a bigger following. Mm-hmm. And then that took off. Um, I was working part-time. I was still in university. That took off. Um, and then, yeah, from there, people asked me to create more content. I was still doing Twitter content, but I said I need a proper home for my content. Created 
the podcast, Pennies and Pounds. And it all kind of just went from there, really. From within a month of creating that tweet, I was on the BBC. Um, right. I was working with like some major banks. Um, and then it hit 2020. We had an event, which is sold out, which is great. great. And then we went to lockdown. Yeah, I was gonna say COVID hit or March twenty. COVID hit, yeah. Did that so, fuck so it up? did that slow it down or? Well, February was our event, and imagine I had one hundred and forty people in that event mm-hmm. in person, London. It was great, and then within like three weeks, we went into lockdown, and oh, I was like, wow. Long. And it didn't, it didn't mess up things, but I think it accelerated my journey faster than I was ready for. I was okay. only, I just turned twenty two, so I started my platform twenty one. Um, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know you could make a living from this. Right, mm. I was at university. I was still working yeah, part time. When, when you started in monetizing, it's now people are seeing pod- podcasts monetized, but in the UK, right. no one was really exactly not at our level. Like, yeah, exactly. So I didn't know what I could do with it, um, but obviously COVID hit, and there was more demand for my content. So mm. I didn't even have an Instagram page for that at that point, or Twitter. No, I have my own personal, Twitter, but not like a dedicated one for pennies pounds. Mm-hmm. So I created that, built a website, was on social channels. And then obviously I, I um, was just working more with brands. I had a podcast that I was co-hosting for the BBC because they asked me to come on and just for from May to December, essentially a podcast dedicated to teaching, just basically simplifying the stuff that the government is saying. Do you know like the government were giving that help during lockdown, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was very jargon filled. So our aim was to ask people's questions and to break down the government help. So like, if you are self-employed, this is the help you can get. If you're on your credit, this is how that works. That's what I was doing. I was working on the BBC. Well, I'm, so I'm still waiting to get my expenses for working up from- uh, Have home. you not got it yet? No, I applied ages ago. I haven't got it. I've been so waiting crazy. for time. Definitely hit up HMRC for that. Oh, well, I didn't ask them. Yeah, yeah, because it should have come through in your payslip. Yeah. yeah, maybe I need to check Yeah, check your pace. It might yeah, have come yeah, through and you might yeah, not have yeah. realised. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I was doing and it's kind of just accelerated my journey here today where I've managed to work with loads of different brands. Um, obviously, like I just mentioned, Channel 4 has been a great one, the most recent one that I've worked with. Um, just trying to educate people, predominantly young people. Um, when I say young people, I mean people under age of 35 on personal finance and just okay, how okay. finance works. What was the original motivation behind it like even even the tweet like what that what was your frame of thinking when you thought so when it came to the tweet so i had started i was obviously i was in university when i was in second year i decided like right i'm gonna create finance content Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no one's really doing it and my motivation behind that was that when i type into youtube personal finance or how to save or whatever i will see middle-aged white men that i couldn't relate to okay right Mm -hmm. i didn't see anyone who looked like me who came from my background any of that and i grew up in, I don't know if it's the poorest at the moment or if it's number two, I don't know. But I grew up in one of the poorest boroughs in London. Was that Newham? Yes. Mm-hmm. Look at that, you're in New- Newham, see? <laughs> Everyone knows that. So I grew up in Newham and there was no one who looked like me who spoke about finance. So I wanted to be that face. I don't know if I could be any kind of personality, but I wanted to be someone who could help people. So that was kind of what spurred me on to start it. And it kind of just went from there. And I think it's definitely worked in my favour because there's a lot of people who message me now who say you know it's great to see young black woman telling me about finance and teach me and, and 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 speaking to me in my language that, that's a, that's a key thing that i definitely say like i work with a lot of big brands and sometimes they want you to speak in a certain way because that's what they're used to and i'm like no the target audience you want to reach I is, it, is it specific to women or is it young people it's general? young people in general like it's not just for women obviously I'm, i am a woman but it's not just for women it's for young people in general but i say this is for people in general like my the biggest target audience for pennies pounds is 23 to 28 mm-hmm. and then after that it's 34 to 50 34 to 43 
That so, makes sense. so that, that, that goes to show you Mill- like millennials and um, exactly Gen Z. exactly so that goes to show you like the demographic the biggest demographic that we have on our platform um but yeah that was just kind of my motivation behind did, it did you study finance i didn't i studied french and business no. but i did have a keen interest in finance from probably from when i was 16 but i started my first ever business when i was nine doing what oh. Everyone's like looking so at me like, doing what? L- lemonade. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no none of that. Washing cars, lemonade. No, none of that. So it was like, I don't know, I guess it was half term, I guess. Um, my mum my taught me how to knit over half term. I know how to knit. Do you know how to knit? Yeah, I know how to knit. The garter, oh. I only know the garter stitch though. Oh, that's very cute. I made myself a scarf. That is very sweet. How lovely. That is very sweet. No, genuinely, that is very sweet. I'm not even your position. That is very sweet. I like that. Okay. <laughs> And you said, I look like the victim today, bro. <laughs> no, but that is very sweet. <laughs> you know what it was? I'm lost for words now. Like, I, you know what it was? You're trying to connect with your guests on a deeper <laughs> level. Like, No, but that is very sweet. I, a, at a job interview, I got the job because I told the lady I could knit. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we oh. connected over my... I, I, I ran and got the scarf. I was like, look, see, I made oh. this. I even got a hole here. I put my finger through it. Like a little hint. But then, yeah, listen. I thought, nah, but now nah, I know. I know it was kind of smoky on stuff. No, I'm not smoking. I'm just saying that's sweet. It's all right. That's the really bike, sweet. The, the bike trip's cancelled, isn't it? I'm so dead. Well, anyway, my mum took me out to knit mm-hmm. during like school holidays. And when I went back to school, I remember I went to my friends. and like, yeah, guys, I can teach you. To, like, I can make you a scarf. So my friends would give me a pound. I'd go home, pick the colour they wanted, buy the wool, make them a scarf, come in the next day. I'll send it to teachers, send it to my friends, send it to everyone. That's lit though. I like the idea that you, you noticed that you're an entrepreneur from nine, isn't it? Yeah. That, that just made me remember when I was in school, yeah. I used to make people paper phones and paper guns. Oh, you're really <laughs> oh. scary. I used to make paper phones like that and then people draw the numbers on them and be like, all like talking to each other. Oh my gosh, that phone. is so cool. That I would I pay for that. It, I used to sell it in um, um, primary school. I, 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 was the, I was the youth in you know, secondary school. Yeah. You know the one that used to sell fizzy drinks? Oh, okay. But I, used to, I used to wrap the local Morrison, so it was 100% oh, prof. Oh. 100% earnings. Okay. No, okay. O- no overheads. All right. I mean, I sold two, <laughs> but I paid for my, my uh, merchandise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did both. I, sometimes I was... Okay. Third, but maybe maybe it's a guy thing. But I then, think the, the ratios give me... It's but, a then, but then I couldn't be bothered to sell, so then I just taxed people who sold the school. Oh, Okay. So then I didn't have to have to work. I, just you know, I mean, I, I, I used to tax people protection. I used to be like, oh, oh. like the ones that used to get bullied, I, I protect. So this you. is like prison. Okay. Okay. All right. Prison? No, it's not. That's what they do in prison. Just they, buy, they... buy me lunch every day, and I'll protect you for the mandem. Simple. No, nah, not buy me lunch. That's a bit of a vibe. <laughs> nah. That's a bit of a vibe. <laughs> Basically, my, my in my school, my school was next to my state in it, so my state ran my school. So essentially, if you you can't sell in school, so if you wanted to sell and not get robbed for your stuff, then you just pay a tax and you're allowed to sell. I think that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, well, we are yep. slightly discussing racketeering. But yep, 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 yep. Oh, it don't matter. I was in school, man. Yeah, you was, it's, it's, it's school days. Ago. It was school days. It was I'm ago. a professional guy now. Yeah, exactly. Man. You've changed your life. It's not even the same, yeah, same person That's anymore. silly. Why, why would you ever do that? Cool. So the reason, one of the reasons why I hit you up yes. is, even though you do many things related to finance, is one of the reasons why you got big of this and what you have expertise in or, 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 or a select amount of skills. Yes is in the property ladder. Yes. So I wanted to bring this to the wider question, um, to the floor of, question in two parts. Yeah. Should we compare our parents to, should we compare ourselves to our parents in terms of buying our first property? Yep. And what are the modern day solutions for young people, under the age of 35 young people, to be able to get on the property ladder? Yes. Um, So the first part of the question I ask you is, do you think we can have a comparison with our parents in terms of being able to get on the property ladder? In short, I would say no. 
Go on. And the reason I say this is because the property market when our parents are buying properties compared to now is completely different. I agree. Right. So my dad um, has a number of properties. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll mind me saying. Big up pups. Big up pups. Yeah, I mean, he'll, I'd, it's too late pops. I've done it now. I've said it now. But he's got a number <laughs> of properties and he bought his first one, if I remember correctly. I think I was just born. So, so it must what? have been like 20 bags or something. Yeah, like, it, okay, not not that cheap, but it mm. was way cheaper than it is now, mm. right? Um, that's when he bought his first one and he was someone who was kind of self-taught in this personal finance, understanding how finance works. He bought his first one then. And I look at him like, yeah, I want to be like my pops. Do you know, he's got bare properties. I want to be like him. But the property market now, 25 years on, is not the same as it was when he bought property. Mm-hmm. And he's telling me, like at the time, because we had a conversation about this actually quite recently, he said to me, you know, like mortgages weren't what they are now. Like he didn't have, he's one of his first properties, which he's still got now. Apparently they have no documentation from when he bought it. Oh, wow. Because it was that old, like the bank who get, who lent him the money, it's been handed over, you know, it's been taken over, acquired by someone else. They don't have documentation of, of that so mortgage. Lost it. The, so like, legally, what does that mean then? Like, so, so, so legally he still owns it. He's got all that documentation, yeah. like in terms of the ownership, but he had to kind of let them know like, this is, the mortgage I got, this is the rate I got it at the time, blah, blah, because they didn't have any of that. That's how it was back in the day. So that just goes to show you how easy so it actually was. It was super easy back then. Now you know why there was a, oh wait, financial crash. Exactly. exactly. The property market. Exactly. Ridiculous. And it's just mental. When we had that conversation, I said, really? He said, yeah, they had no idea. They had no recollection of him, like, of him having a mortgage with them. And Did he already own the property outright or was he still paying a mortgage? Um, He was still paying a mortgage. He was still paying a mortgage, but obviously- Could he just write it off? Well, technically, if you didn't want to say anything, you could have. That's what I was thinking. Like. Yeah, yeah. But, but obviously, like, you don't know that. Like, a bank's coming to you saying, like, oh, we've got this, we've got record of this, blah, blah. Yeah, so, and so then, they, then you're in a chiz, like. It's just, yeah, exactly. It's but, not like a car where, like, oh, you know what? You got me, I'll pay the rest. Yeah, it's a yeah. House. Do, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's just so interesting to see the stark difference from then to now. Mm. And when I kind of look at myself buying a property now, so I'm saving and I've kind of made it kind of clear to my audience that I'm saving at the moment for my first property. In London or outside? Outside London. Okay. Again, another difference. Mm-hmm. It's just that in my dad's day, it made sense. You can buy London, of course you can. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more exp- slightly more expensive. It's always been more expensive, but you can buy London. It's feasible. Yeah, very feasible. Now, buying the solar bags I'm buying by myself, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's near impossible to buy in London. So I'm looking outside London. That's like for me, I bought in like the shittiest side of London, which is basically not even nearly London recently, because of the opening of the Elizabeth line, Mm, I've done nothing to my house. My house is in the space of six months gone up 90 grand. That's crazy. I'm like, I've done nothing to this house. And this is why I think a lot of the the housing market is a bubble. Yeah. And um, I think in two parts, the reason why I think we can't compare ourselves to the present, to, to our parents is two things. First one, is um, government policy. Yep. And then the second one is earnings. Yeah. So one of the fundamental models in investment management, in property management, is they talk about earnings. Mm. And in this case, we're talking about in the 80s and 90s, the average property was about three times earnings. Yeah. So it was about six, I think in the 80s, about 6K was the average salary. Yeah. And then the average property was worth around 20 grand. Since then, the average property price today is about 275 grand and the average salary is 30k yeah. so now it's gone from three times earning to exactly. seven times earnings yeah, about, say, yeah, about, yeah. To about seven times earnings yeah. which is absolutely ridiculous and that's why people can only buy well a lot of young people unless you earn a lot of money can only buy together yeah so when you look at 
um, wage, what they talk about, when you look at wage increases in terms of the ONS, apart from this year where we, we're going through a cost of living crisis and inflation has gone up, I think it's like 9.4% yeah, at, at the moment. But prior to that, wage increases and inflation have gone up more or less in line. So more or less 2%. So to, to give it in layman terms to the people, it's a little bit more complex than this. The maths isn't quite right, but I don't want to get into the full mathematics. But inflation erodes the amount of money that you have. So if you have £100 today and inflation is 2%, that £100 in layman terms is worth £98 a year later. Yeah. So, but roughly what has happened through the years is inflation has gone up 2% and wage increases have gone 2%. If the property market had been in line as it should have been, the average property price today should be around 107 grand from the 20 grand that we started with, but instead it's at 275 grand. So there's a massive, massive disparity. Mm. And a lot of it has to, we have to look at is the government have put themselves in a, in a tough place. So the right to buy scheme that our parents had in the 80s and 90s meant that you could buy, at first it was you could buy houses at a 30 to 30 to 50% discount and you could buy flats up to 70% and eventually it was all, um, if you lived in, and that's it, to satisfy that, you had to live in um, social housing, so council housing for at least three years yep. and that would qualify you to be able to buy it. So that would get people yep. on the property ladder. Um, what happened was that was a Margaret Thatcher policy. When Labour then came in, um, all of these people were buying all these houses, but they never replaced these council housings. Mm. So now a lot of the market is privately run. So that means that there's no support schemes. And what would have kept the housing down before is that when it's not all privatised and part of its council house, people would just say, why am I going to pay a stupid price? price for a private house when I can just go live in this council house for mm -hmm. three years and be able to buy it. Mm -hmm. So because this was never replaced, it's replaces artificially driven up the housing market to a point where there's no point uh, of entry. And as a property market cycle, as you know, is usually eight to 12 years. Yeah. Where they're saying the correction, so where the property market should have declined, happened to be at the point where COVID happened. The problem with that is We've just gone through a once in a lifetime event, which has put the government in more debt to GDP, that, which yeah. is a once in a lifetime that usually happens in a recession. So now the government are in a point where they have to artificially prop, prop up the house market prices, because if they don't, having to deal with the effects of COVID and deal with a property recession, they're finished. Yeah. And a lot of the banks are finished. And when the big banks are finished, the government bailed them out, as we saw in 2008. Mm. So that's why I think, at the point we are now, really the long-term strategy would have been the government to carry on building social housing. Yeah. But if they if they start building social housing now, if you think inflation was mad back then, inflation from having to build the amount of houses would have to be, the cost of raw materials will go up would be absolutely nuts. Yeah. The government have pretty much fucked themselves and fucked the future generations to come. Yeah. And that's why we can't really compare ourselves. Yeah. So that's why I think like we're kind of in a rock or a hard place and will it ever get back to a point where people who have grown up in london will be able to buy in london probably not no i highly doubt it and i think it's it's so interesting i think off the back of that it's interesting to see the amount of young people who feel the pressure to become homeowners 
like under 30, right? Mm. Because there's a lot of kudos. Like, I'm 24, got my house. I'm 26, I'm 28. You know, the little key Insta pic. Yeah, just like, stand there with the keys. Yeah. And do you know what? <laughs> I celebrate every single one, every single person who does that. But then I also, off the back of that, talk to people who are of those ages and feel like they are subpar and not reaching and at the points that they should be. And I'm like, look, don't feel like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? These people have done it and it's great, but don't feel the pressure. And I think I was having this conversation the other day with someone um, that we are like one of the only countries in Europe where home ownership is like the thing that we really pioneer for. 100%. My my, my mum's family, they all moved to Italy yeah. because when my mum came to this country, they were just dashing passports like it was banter. Yeah. And you had a few pretty Patels come in and say, no, I'll go to Rwanda. <laughs> but yeah. nice um, so they all were, were residents in Italy. Yeah. Everyone there is in apartments. You only own a house if you're rich. So they live in Lake. They live in Lake Como. Yeah. Only if I'll you live close. on the lake of Lake Como yeah. and you're like Brad Pitt levels, you own house. Everyone yeah. just has apartments. I'm saying everyone just rents, and it's normal to rent. It's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. But in the UK, for some reason, we have this obsession with home ownership, mm-hmm. and especially young home ownership, where people who are like, I'm in my twenties, I'm in my thirties, I need to be owning owning a home, and it's not normal outside of Europe. Do you think? Like, do you think that's positive or not positive? Um, I think it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on people who maybe just should be focusing on just enjoying their career and building up their career who now think I've just got an entry-level job I'm on 25k how the hell do I start saving up for my, for my deposit see but not only that though we have to take into account that in these other western countries the rent's probably a lot cheaper that is true so there's, there's the when you when you weigh up do I do I save for a house or do I pay rent mm-hmm it probably makes more sense to actually buy a house because the rent is, is stupidly high anyway. But then but remember, we are talking, when we talk about that, we are predominantly focusing on London because mm-hmm. London is extremely expensive whether you buy yeah, yeah. or rent. If you move outside London, and I get the opportunities are in London, which is why people want to be here. But when you move outside London, rent generally is more expensive than other countries, right? But mm-hmm. it is still cheaper outside London. You're right on that because I, I was going to say, my boy moved to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He had a one-bedroom flat in Liverpool City Centre, which was £500 all in for the month, one bed, not studio, flat. Mm. So separate kitchen, separate bathroom, separate room. 500 bill, no, 550 all mm. in. Um, if that was in London, I reckon it would have been about 2K. But then what's yeah. he making? What's he making in Liverpool? Uh, I think that's where the... Yeah, obviously he's, he's, he's going to be making, yeah. he's going to be making less. But obviously that, the London property is like three times. He's not earning three times yeah. less, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm. You have to yeah. look at like relatively like, he obviously at the time, obviously the people, like he would have been on like maybe 26. But if you're 550 all in and you're that's on 26K, really yeah. you're calm. Yeah, comfortable. For sure. Like, so that's why, yeah, I think even in London like now, you think it's, my friend, he moved from France and he said he found it weird that in France, where he's from, and he's from mm-hmm. the suburbs of Paris. Because yeah. you know, only rich people live in Paris City Centre. Everyone lives in the suburbs. Who says they're from Paris? Um, he said, you could work part-time at Zara and have an apartment to yourself. It's not going to be the best, but yeah, you can but have, you have, an, have apa- an apartment yeah. to yourself. He said, it's weird here that you can be working full-time in a corporate job and not be able to afford an apartment. Yeah, and most people so don't, most people can't. It's so insane. And even when I look at like... Um, my mortgage now, I was lucky I fixed my mortgage when it was mortgage rates were at 0%. Um, my mortgage is cheaper than most people's rents. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, and so I'm think, thinking like, if I were to rent out my house, it'd be like three, four, three, four times my mortgage. Yeah, hundred percent. You could it's definitely just, make money on that. Like it's a joke. Yeah, it's insane. And I think there's 
I, I definitely do empathize with the people who live in London, work in London, and aren't able to stay at home with their families. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I acknowledge my privilege that I'm able to live with my family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned to you previously that I'm we're moving house. Um, we're moving outside London because we bought a house out there. But be living at home has saved me so much money, and it's mm-hmm. allowed me to save up for my own property because that's what my dad wants me to do. He wants me. He did it. When he was around my age, he bought his first property. He wants me to do it. Yeah, they were all buying. All our parents who own property bought like 24, Exactly. Yeah, I think my dad was about 23, 24 when he bought his first property. There you go. Really? Um, yeah, because that's, that's, that's when he had me. That's when he, my parents had me. Oh, so is your dad, was your dad born here? Or do you... He was born here, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So he was sense. born here. No, but I'm saying, even my, my, my dad, he bought his at 26 and he's not born here. Like, he's raised in Nige. Yeah. He came here when he was 21. Sorry, my dad would have been, it would have been around the same situation. Yeah. Pops as well, so yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think my grandma was not similar. She came over from the Caribbean. Um, she was still but again. Do actually said it was 20s. very accessible those times. Yeah, that's that's so what I'm saying. You could come from a different country, work for a, a couple of years, and and, and be, be able to do that. Yeah, but it's feasible. But I think I do acknowledge my privilege that I'm able to live at home and save. Whereas people who don't have that privilege, they don't have you know the relationship with their families, or they just don't have access to living at home. So now they have to, you know, stump up, find this money to be able to rent a place. And I, I even read an article the other day. Um, which was crazy. I think some landlords now, because they have people who are literally begging to, to rent, some landlords are asking for a year up front. Really? Mm. You use that one or two months up front, they're asking for a one year up front. But that's the problem the government have put, and I hate to say government, government, because I believe I'm, I'm quite a capitalist, but if we want to point fingers out, the landlords are just taking advantage of the surroundings they have around them in the sense of, if they have 100 applications, I'm just going to ask for my money up front because, yeah. I, because I simply can. Yeah. Whereas if the government had carried on to build social housing, they wouldn't have that power because you just go to the social housing. But yeah. now there's such a dearth in social property that it's just ridiculously privatised. Crazy. Like even now I'm seeing like, you know, the blocks in Hackney because it's a trendy spot where no one would have wanted to live like 20 years ago. Landlords are lit- who literally lived in, in what would have been seen as like a London ghetto and now renting it out to professionals because the professionals just want to be close to where they yeah, want to work. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, what's the place in, uh, you know, Barbican? You know that? Yeah, oh those... my gosh, that one. Yeah. The, the juxtaposition when you're in the Barbican, because I don't really go to that area often. Mm. When I'm there, I'm like, okay, so you can see like the wealthy side, but you literally just turn your head. Awful. And you can see, yeah, all the, all the council estates. And mm. I'm like, wow, it's so crazy. Mm. It's insane. Yeah, but that's why I find London is, and obviously this conversation has been quite London-centric, but... I find it weird that in London, a man can say he's from Clapham. You don't know what kind of person he's going to be. Yeah. Whereas if, say, you go up to, say, I know, go live, know Liverpool because I go there a lot. If a man says he's from Toxteth, you know what he's on. Mm, okay. You can only yeah. be one kind of kind of person if you're yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from Toxteth. Yeah. But over in, like, in London, it's um, like, I went to Peckham yesterday. I went to a bar and like, I went near Yellow Brick Estate. My, my cousin used to live on that estate and it was like one of the most infamous estates. Like when I used to visit him when I was young and I was scared, like, I mean, when we go into his block, there's bullet holes in, in the... Oh my gosh. You know, you're a kid, you're just like, oh you're like, oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, am I going to be safe? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm bopping through, fine. Yeah. But I'm seeing like the eclectic people, you still see Jerome the road, man. Then you see like Lisa, who used to be Peter, the trans crossdresser who's there. Yeah. And they're all in one place. And you're just yeah. thinking like, this kind of dynamic would have never, never have happened back in the day. Mm. But the knock-on effect I'm, f- I'm having is, I'm finding is, so I grew up out of London. I grew up between Luton and Essex. Um, so I'm finding a lot of people coming into from London are now come moving into these areas 
and it's actually becoming worse because they're bringing their London issues into these areas. Mm. So these places are becoming like the new ghettos. Yeah. So yeah. like the road I used to live on, like growing up, like Luton was poor. Mm-hmm. Um, like always been poor. It's like one of the most deprived areas in the southeast of England. It's always been. But it's weird. Like, you know, those American neighborhoods where there's like, we're poor, but there's a community. My area, I saw it go from being a community to like my next door neighbor having drive-bys by kids on scooters. Then the one opposite me was a grow yard. But when, when I was growing up, we were just all kids playing out on the roads. Mm. But when you find out and you look and you see like all of these kids have come from displaced areas and brought these problems to the outside. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the out the London's gonna become like Paris. So in Paris, you have the city centre, all the richer, um, been gentrified. And the Parisian suburbs is where everyone lives. And that's where like the new ghettos are. So I think over time, London of what we knew, eventually all the estates, they're eventually going to get knocked down. And like say in 50, how many years time, the suburbs around it is going to become the new sorts of ghetto. But I don't know if that's positive because mm. before you could grow up somewhere like say Brixton, but you'd have that dichotomy of, oh, this is what I can have. But now what you see in this, like the Parisian suburbs is kids are just growing up in areas where there's no wealth coming in it's derelict and it's just terrible places to live, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I think um, I think a future for, for a lot of us is like, I think the stats like 54% or 52% from the census of black people live in London who live in the UK. I don't think that's going to be the same. No, I think, much, I think that there longer. is a lot of black flight, to call it that. Mm. You know, we, we saw white flight back in the day, but I think there was a lot of people who are moving out to like Kent, Essex. There are people who are moving further afield um, to get more for their money, essentially, because mm-hmm. you can buy properties outside London with good transport links back in mm. and, you know, save loads of money. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's that, that's literally why we've done it. I mean, so we, um, we, I live in Newham and we own, like, the house that we live in, but we just decided, like, let's just move out of London. You, know, you, can get, you get so much money. more, don't you? Yeah, and when I tell you, so we're currently doing up the house um, and we're going to move in very soon. But we've got an Instagram just showing all, us doing all that. But like the garden is huge. Mm. For the money that we spent on that house, the garden is huge. We've got a drive. And there's three of us who live in that house. All three of us have cars. We can fit three cars on that drive. In in Newham. Let me tell you how Newham is. The other day, I'll tell you, I'm fuming, right? The other day, <laughs> I bought a new car about a month ago, right? Oh, you bought have a new on, car, on treat street myself. parking. Yeah. Treat myself, right? Part of the car on the road in Newham. Fuming. Absolutely fuming. Went for one day. 24 hours literally to record a Channel 4, right? Flew to Glasgow, come back. On the phone to my dad, like, yeah, I'm coming back, you know, in the airport, blah, blah, blah. Cool, cool, cool. Dad's acting a little, not shifty, but you know, like, he's acting a bit off. I'm like, okay, I don't know why he's acting, but I said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm not even interested. I'm just going to go home. Go home now. My dad's, I'm, I'm in my house. My friend drops something around to me. He calls me. He's upstairs. He says, calls me. He says, come upstairs when you're done. I'm thinking, what have I done now? Do you know what I'm thinking? Oh, I've done something bad yeah. now. What, what did I forget when I left? Yeah. Go upstairs to him. He's like, oh, how was recording? He tries to hug me. I said, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's in bare weird. What's what's happened? Yeah. He's like, oh, I didn't want to tell you when you're away because you need to be in like your top form when you're recording. I didn't want to tell you. But since you're back, like I just need to tell you, I know you got your new car. By the time I had that car for two weeks, by the way, at that point. Peak. He said, I know you got your new car, but someone for fun has come and keyed every single car on our road. 
I have a massive line across for my fun, car. For fun, he just for went fun. Me and my dad bought on, bought, bought, bought new cars on the same week. Yeah, he bought on Tuesday, I bought on Thursday. So we've both had our car for two weeks. Both of us have a massive line from beginning to end on our car because someone did it for fun. And That's you know cool. the thing, when you spray cars, it's, they have to spray the whole panel. That's so you've the got thing. The quote bumpers. I was getting was mental. Yeah, I said, yeah, I, literally, yeah, yeah. I literally paid money for this car last week. And you're, you're quoting me insane amounts when it was not obviously like I'm not blaming them, but I'm just like, it's just insane. And that was more motivation. My dad was like, we need to get out of it. This is the reason why I want to move out of it. Because how, why do people key cars for fun? Do you know how angry I was? I got back at like midnight and I, I literally sat down. I was watching CCTV trying to find these people. I said, I'm fuming. I'm fuming right now. <laughs> I'm finding people red, who keyed my car. I'm fuming. But that's one thing I hate about the Newham Roads. The Newham Roads, sometimes I go gym there in Upton Park. Yeah. It's too congested and the amount of too people that congested. walk past is mad. Yeah, I live in Upton Park. But it's too oh, congested. Not, yeah. yeah, I do live in Park. That place smells like a bin, I'm sorry, man. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I'm, 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 I'm not that. talking about. It's not. It smells like a bin, bro. Off gym spot, yeah, bro. Oh, you go there? Yeah, it smells oh, okay, terrible. Cool. That place smells terrible. Man. Hey, I'm not from them bits, innit? So psh, I don't. Even you know the part I'm telling you. Yeah, know I, 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 I know you're about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're about. So what you do here, in terms of educating people on property, is it? Is it general education or is it here's the steps to earn your first property? Like how does so mine, mine, my platform is just personal finance in general and property falls in that mm. umbrella. And it's in general, like I don't take on people and say, I'm going to teach you how to do this and this. One, because I haven't done it fully myself. I'm in the process of doing it. And I, even I think once I do, I don't think I do. It's just not something I want to do. I like, gen I like educating the masses. Um, I feel like there's more impact in educating the masses personally. Mm. I get more value out of that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just in general. I, think, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lack of education. When you go through the schooling system, I say this all the time, like I got to secondary school. Cool, you go for secondary school, that's fine. When I got to sixth form, I thought, right, this is like the two years before you go to university, right? Most people go to university or you go to apprenticeship. I thought this is the point, if no other time, that like, you're gonna be taught about personal finance. You're gonna understand how taxes work. Nope. You know, how bills work, what's nope. council tax, all these things that you have no idea because your parents handle it. I thought this is the point where I'm gonna learn. And I went through sixth form. I had one lesson on it, only because I studied economics. I had one lesson on taxes, genuinely because I studied economics, so only 30 of us got a lesson. And I got to university, I said, all right, okay, fine. Sixth form, fine. But university for sure, freshers week, they have to teach us a budget, right? Because I've come here, moved away from home, never had it. And then I realized at these pivotal points when you should be knowing, no one's teaching you. Mm. So that is the point, like that, that is why I started my platform. You were state school educated though, weren't you? I was, yes. It's funny because Private schools, I think, make up 20% of the education system and 75% of the top university offers are from private schools. Yeah. The lessons you're taught about, you know, they're taught at private schools, but they're not taught to state schools because we're essentially, we're there to be the workforce Yeah. and uh, to not rule anything. So yeah. that's why it's, yeah. it's, one, it's one of the things of when you look at the educational curriculum, it's such a key pivotal point. It's not something that they're not aware of. They're fully aware of it because that's what people from state schools always talk about. When are we going to be taught these things? And we never are. So there's obviously reasons of yeah. why we're not taught it. Same way there's reasons of why I did history up until you picked for GCSEs. Didn't have one history lesson on black history or slavery yeah. or any of how we got up to this point. It's always to do like Victorians and Tudors who, yeah. other than King Henry VIII, who really gives a fuck. Yeah. So no, it's true. No, it's true though. It is, it's actually true. And I think it's just so interesting to see. And I say that one lesson I had in economics is 30 of us in my class, um, which is normally in my sixth form. We always had about 10 people in our class, but that was a big, big class we had. I have never heard it so silent. 
for one hour, we were all silent because we, my my economics teacher taught us how income tax worked. And, you know, all these taxes that we said, oh my gosh. Oh, so you actually got taught that? We actually got one lesson, one hour, where he said, and I remember him vividly standing in front of the classroom. He said, right, we're not doing economics today. We're not doing our usual lesson. I'm going to teach you about taxes. He said, I reckon you'll never have this lesson again because you're never going to be taught this throughout the education system. But this is the one lesson I'm going to teach you today. Ask me anything you want and I'll teach you. I'm going to ask about taxes. And uh, that is what he taught us in depth about taxes. I only got learned through my job. That's what I'm saying. I didn't learn through... And that's most people. Any educational... It was only yeah. through my job. Yeah. And that... Mm -hmm. that Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Mute that. Sorry. I actually... My investment exams are boring, but tax even though tax inherently is boring to mm -hmm. most people, that was the only thing I actually paid attention to because I'm like, everything will make sense now. Yeah. And how I'm being taxed, it makes sense. And that's why I was, I can't remember who the podcaster was. There was a guy that went on Made You Think's, Made You Think posted his yeah. content. Um, I think it might have been a Patrick Betts, Pets David podcast, can't remember. But he was talking about the education system is so left field, so left wing. It teaches you to help, to hate everything with regards to the system and the taxes and blah, 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 blah and the rest of it. But all the measures that be are also there to help you. So rather than rather than complain and talk about the reshift of, the, of, of a system which could take a lifetime, it may never happen. Why not learn the system and then just try to do at the best of the system yeah. as you can rather than just sitting there playing the victim like ah oh, these these rich lot do this and these rich lot do yeah but it's, it's all about access yeah you, yeah, you yeah. mentioned but before mm. that people who go to state school aren't taught these things whilst people mm. go to private school are taught these things yeah, so. but, that, but that's what i talk about now we've got the internet now everyone's got yeah, but, yeah. What, what, but what do you search it's mm. like yeah there's loads like, of there's loads no, of resources like there's like platforms like there's platforms like ours there's loads now yeah you can say that now but the average person isn't consciously thinking to search these things it's either you're given the information to use or obviously mm. i i believe there's always a mm. personal responsibility and that's so, what, that's exactly my point so I, for me it's more your parents know this stuff yeah so your parents well, well my parents obviously came from Nige, so there's yeah. only a limited amount they could teach me so I, I can't really put a lot of that responsibility on them but for the most part, a lot of the parents who were born and raised in this country went through that same thing. So they have a personal responsibility to teach their kids this is how to manage finances, mm. which they don't. But at the same time, for those who aren't given that opportunity, it's not something that comes to the forefront of mind. It's where life then attacks you and says, mm. you're now, for, like a lot of people go to university and like you said, at no point are you even questioned on these things. Mm. So then from not having the question to having to live it, mm -hmm. to then having to say, well, it's my responsibility to go and learn it. I think there's a there's a slight discrepancy. That I don't no, but that's really fair. no, but I, the reason why I talk about it is I always talk about ultimate accountability, and I, I learned this from sport in every aspect. It's, like, it's similar in the military. If you're a military commander and your platoon get killed and it's not your fault, you're the one that has to deal with it, and you're the one responsible, so it's your fault. Same way within team sports, you could have had a mad game, scored a hat trick, done everything that's possible, but if your centre back is shit and you lose because he helps you concede four goals. As a team, you'll lose. So when I talk about auto-accountability in life, we're not responsible of where we start and we all have trials and tribulations, but now there's resources, especially being born in the West. We're not in Africa in the sense of where a lot of these men generally, if they were to seek, they're never going to find. We have the, If you're British educated, you have the opportunity to find these things. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to get access to everything, but now you can see, okay, the elites are doing this, what can I do to go out there mm. and find resources myself to help oh, me excel? People the don't way even know what the elites are doing. Like, hmm? Half the people don't even know what elites, what elites are doing. They just know that they've got money and they avoid tax. They don't yeah, yeah, yeah but, they, but they know. But if you're okay, you've well, the key word you said is they avoid tax. There's your first YouTube search. 
how are these men avoiding tax? And that will take you on your own journey. And there's enough platforms yeah. out there available now. But remember, yeah. you're coming from a place where you have a base level of knowledge about this anyway. More, mm. Like when someone has no clue about a topic, they have mm. no clue. So I understand that it's easy to make the logical um, jump. Oh, mm. avoid tax. How do I avoid tax? Mm. There's a reason why most people aren't making a logical jump. Yeah. Because they don't have the, the cognitive capacity to do so. Yeah. But then it is this, but this is when it comes down to in, in this capitalist society, in a sense of the, the, the thing you said is that <clears throat> cognizant ability. In terms of capitalism, not everyone can uh, uh, succeed anyway. So it's the thing, it's going to be those relative thinkers that go out of the box and they're able to set themselves apart. So when you look at, say, lottery winners, I believe there's stats, and obviously, uh, don't quote me exactly, but I believe 70% of lottery yeah. winners go broke within three years yeah, of winning lottery. Yeah, I think it's lottery. 70 or 75. I, did, I yeah, yeah. the other day, yeah. So, so athletes, eight percent of athletes go broke. <coughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So even though they're rich, but they're not rich in the mind. If, you were, the to, if, you, if you were to get many of these entrepreneurs and took everything away from them and told them to start again, they'll be able to do it because there's this, there is... Um, it's a process. Yeah, understand. There's yeah. financial and uh, legacy wealth, but I think it's 75 to 75% of most of, of uh, entrepreneurs and millionaires are self-made anyway. Yeah. So they've done it and done it again and they'll do it again. Yeah. There's only there's only a few Rothschild families. This yeah, isn't yeah. the norm. Yeah. And the same way with what I've found is that of these self-made millionaires, the wealth switches hands. Like within three generations, they say the wealth is gone anyway because the kids that have come after didn't give a fuck as if their, their parents yeah, did. Yeah. So this is what I talk about. It's one of the things of we have the power now, we have to equip ourselves. And there's going to be differences in what we achieve in terms of um, our natural talent, which is linked to IQ and business acumen. Same way when I use the example for me is, I went to academy college. So in terms of that, I was in the elite, played in the academy leagues in terms of rugby, played against all the academy leagues, didn't get offered a pro contract. All the coaches always said, out of anyone there, I worked the hardest. I was the hardest worker. But there's guys that naturally, unfortunately, I didn't come out their dad's ball bags. So they, they have more, genetically, mm. they're more gifted than I am. And I put more hours and more work in, but they were just genetically more gifted to me. And I, I just have to take that on the chin. And that's, that is what it, I can complain and say, oh, I picked up the sport at 14 and they picked it up when they were five. So, mm. oh, it's, so is life. Like, what can we do about it? So that's why when I talk about in terms of that is like, that's not for me to say, and I 100% agree with what you're saying. I have empathy towards those people because I really do in terms of they're not given those tools. I got lucky in the sense of I managed to, through my work, like managed to get around people who actually were able to teach me. But at some point now in the world, we have to take accountability because I want us to get away from this victim mentality. We know this the life, the, uh, life is unfair. It is unfair, but I'm not disputing that and we, I, that's why I say we're all born equal but we're not all born equal in our value to society mm -hmm. so it's down to us that uh, cool if I'm born born in a shitty life I need to make the most out of it and I can't always point the fingers and not everyone can be Trump and not everyone can be Jeff Bezos but Jeff Bezos that's just what is what it is yeah that's very true that's how I feel but leading it back to the conversation we're talking about <coughs> we've talked about the property market yes what do you think are the top solutions that for young people to be able to get onto the, the property market? Oh, when you look at the stats, I can't remember the exact number, but I know I did it the other day, something, something like, again, don't quote me on it. I think it's something like 56% of young people who have managed to stump up a deposit for their first house mm -hmm. came from the bank of mum and dad. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, something like that. Don't quote me the number. It could be slightly less, slightly yeah, but, more. Okay. I can't remember. But it's around, it's around that figure, right? Mm-hmm. It's around the, the halfway mark. Managed to get the bank of mum and dad. And when I saw that, it was a lot higher than I thought it would be. Because I think when you have these conversations, you speak to people, most people are like, their parents aren't, can't help them. They're kind of doing it for themselves. But mm-hmm. I saw how many people, and this was for 2021, how many people managed to get the deposit from bank of mum and dad, around 20, 30 grand. It's like, wow, that's crazy. Mm. And I have a friend who, um, her parents are given a 30K because it's just what they did for all their siblings. No, to be honest, most of the people that I know that are my age who, who own homes, had a situation where their parents helped in one yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Either they've helped to put down a deposit or they've contributed to the deposit. That just seems the most logical step for young people now. Yeah. Um, but again, it does go back to that level of financial li- literacy mm. as well. Again, mm. People aren't taught this stuff. Because even what it's like, even with women uh, specifically, I think women own um, two thirds of, of, of consumer yeah. debt. Yeah. Um, so going off that, it's like, there's a definitely a, uh, a lack of education, how people manage their finances. Because I, I think to yeah. some degree, that responsibility, although it's nice that parents help, it shouldn't fall completely on them. Because no. there is an no. element of, again, uh, accountability to say, what am I doing to get myself in a, a position? Because even for me, myself, um, I f- as soon as I finished uni, like I went abroad in Canada, came from Canada, did my master's and I left. Came back home, I should have stayed at home. But I'd been so used to living away from mm. home, that it's I just hard. thought, I've got, I'm, I'm just leaving. I fully think I wasted hell of money mm. moving out. It was fun and whatnot, but you make the necessary sacrifices early yeah. so that later you can prosper. You build a foundation. Yeah. So I moved back home um, during COVID. Um, and now that's where the, the paper started to grow crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to start making better decisions. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, we can actually educate our parents in the sense of we come into this country, we're very individualistic. But when you look at Indians uh, as of the old census I had the old census report well 2021 but they've for every reason they pulled it out and they're going to release it again I should have pdf'd it but I didn't know they were going to re- remove it but yeah. I've got some of the screenshots and they were saying that demographically the lowest um household owners actually which surprised me are actually East Asian so orientals actually had the lowest home ownership mm. then after that it was black Africans mm. um who are around just over 20 percent and then mm. black Caribbeans actually had 40 percent because they've been in this country for longer but the highest landslide highest was Indians who's around 74 percent yeah and a lot of them are very individualistic they help each other um yeah. in terms of they may even get a property mum and dad will live in it and they'll help pay off the property so taking that model when I my mum bought a house in Luton she did she was just lucky in the sense of she bought the house skyrocketed in value then she went and bought her own place and it was just there on the renters market i looked at the indian model and i was just like i have the money now to get a deposit and buy a house but she wanted to sell the property she didn't have the money to do it up so what i did i was just like rather than me you sell your property and not fulfill its potential how about i use my deposit that i would have got from my house I live in it, I renovate the house, sell the property at a higher value and the difference in property in, in, in what you are going to sell it for. So say you're going to sell it at, at say 60% of its value. I put 10% in, it goes up to 100%. I pocket the 30%, you get 70%. So you're making 10, mm-hmm. I'm making 30 mm-hmm. and everyone wins. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk about in terms of we can teach our parents that, like a lot of our parents that do own property, if we were to come to them with a plan and say, oh, refinance your property let release equity of 20k and i'll pay the difference in mortgage which would be an, an additional with interest rates being that low up, which is an extra 200 pound on their mortgage 
most people would actually be in that position. But it's just giving people that education and yeah. to be able to do that. Because I agree. if you most logical people, if you showed them a plan, plan and said, release twenty k of equity for me to buy a property, that's going to cost you an extra two hundred pound a month, which I will cover and cover my own mortgage. People would be able to do that. Yeah. People you know don't saying? know that stuff though. Yeah, people don't. People <coughs> don't. But that's what I talk about. It's down to us now that now there's platforms out there yeah. to re-educate our parents because our parents wouldn't even know yeah, that. No, a lot of us didn't. Know. I was the one that brought it to my mum. I'm like, wait, hold on. I have this money to put down, but this property is going to be valued, could be valued at 30, 40% more. Why not me use this to renovate? Yeah. And then we both make money from it. it do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but a lot of people don't. They, they just they don't, don't have that acumen. They don't. And I, I remember I was mentioning to you earlier, I said that... Um, you don't know what's normal until you speak to other people. Mm. So growing up for me from the Caribbean household, um, for me it was normal to have a house and have more than one. Like my my family all have multiple properties. Like that was just the norm. I was like going to be my dad and get my own property and just have multiple and kind of do whatever I want to do with them. And then it's only when I started speaking to my friends who are predominantly of African descent, and that wasn't the norm for them. Their parents, some of them, didn't own their family home. They were just renting mm. and they have been for years. Um, some of them might own a family home, but that's it. You know, they won't really talk about home ownership. So just kind of just talk like when you leave the house, go and rent, go and find a man and go and rent. And that's it. And for me, I was grown, like I've grown up, me, myself, my brother, just grown up like, being like my dad, get, get properties. Yeah, get a yeah. yard. Mm. Like my brother is, he's going to be 20. My dad's like, yeah, I'm going to help him get in the property by 21. Like he'll be on there. That's super young. But it's just because my dad's got that like push. He's ready to help my brother do that. Obviously, I'm going to be 25 next year. And I was like, yeah, cool. Kia, I'll help you do that. Where will you marry? I'm so yeah. <laughs> I was wondering when you're going to come and interject <laughs> with something. Um, but yeah, like I'm just, that, that's just the norm for me. But I, I, I recognize that my dad and my upbringing isn't the norm, but it should be. Mm. It should be kind of just normal to discuss finances. And like, I tell everyone all the time, like I know my dad's finances. If God forbid, and I want to tell you, I'm touching every single wood in this place. If something happened to my dad, right? Mm. I know what he's got. Mm. I know what he's got. I know how much he's got. I know what he's got in different places. I know his pension, whatever, whatever. Like I know that we're fine. I'm, like, I'm, my dad set himself up to the point where he's like, we had a conversation but a couple months ago. He's like, Kia, you know something happened to me? Again, God forbid. Something happened to me. Like you and your brother are set. Like mm. I can't even describe it, like set for life because he he's worked to make sure that he's set obviously so hopefully he can use that but if something god forbid were to happen that we will be set because obviously passed on to us and i'm just like okay cool like i know everything when i speak to my friends they have no idea how much their, their parents earn like do they own their house i don't know like what do they pay in this what do they what, mm. do they own anything they have no idea it's a taboo topic topic absolutely but absolutely. i don't it's taboo just there's no where's the impetus to have these discussions mm. but but i I, I I would slightly agree that it is taboo because I think, mm. again, you two can have the pitch in what you think. But I think when you look at the black community, right, when it comes to discussing money, we are very open when you're doing well. If we look at our, the rappers, UK, US, whatever, mm. they're flaunting big chains. I've got money, I've got bands, I've got all of this. When they're not doing well, it's silence. And I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to go on social media and say, I owe 20K worth of debt. I'm not saying you're going to do that. But yeah, but no one discusses it when you're not doing well. And I've had conversations with people who I had no idea were in like 10K worth of debt. And they're only opening up to me now because of my platform. So they feel comfortable enough talking to me. But I'm like, this should be your conversation. Like, I'm like, you could have gotten out of this years ago if you but told someone. But most people are in that situation. Because again, it's this, it's this world of social media where yeah. everybody's trying to keep up and live beyond their means. Yeah. So a lot of people rack up debt trying to keep up with other people. 100%. But everybody's keeping up with each other through debt. 
Hundred percent, fucking stupid, bro. Hundred percent. And you, you know, another stat, stat which you thought was the norm. Another stat I thought was the norm, and this is why I think the housing market will crash in the next year, if not have a major correction, by a correction, uh, a, a decrease in price. Is I thought it was the norm to fix your interest rates. Yeah, I've. It makes sense, and especially when interest rates interest rates being so low. Yeah, fix it so you know exactly, and you can so you plan your finances. Yeah. Found out a stat recently: eighty percent of mortgages within the UK aren't fixed. Wow! So now, when with interest rates which are going to be raised, obviously I follow everything. The Bank of England follows the Fed. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Fed um, are predicting currently there, so they just raised it seventy-five. So currently, the Fed is at two point five percent on deposits, um, interest rates in America, and I think it's going to three seventy-five. Crazy. By three point seventy-five by twenty twenty-three. Um, Bank of England would do something similar. Yeah. So if you've got a mortgage, say last year at zero percent, that means it's going to be three point five seven percent more expensive than it yeah. was. Loads of people aren't going to be able to pay that back, and they're mm. going to be in mad debt. Um, but if you fix it, obviously you fix it for a certain period of time. But that at least offsets the problem, and you can plan. Yeah. So the fact that a lot of these people who aren't financially literate, who have not fixed it, and they've they're paying a mortgage payment of say f- five hundred pounds, and suddenly it goes to one thousand two. Loads of people are just gonna not be Default. able to yeah. default on their debt, and then they're just gonna lose their property. Um, but for me, as you said, and this come comes with um, ownership. My parents have always said like, fix your mortgage. Like I just thought it was just common knowledge, but yeah, evidently it's not. It's really not, and I think, like I said, there needs to be more education around it, which again is what my platform is trying to help to mm. kind of bridge that gap in that that space but i realize i severely digress from your your question because you asked me mm. what's out there to help young people and i really yeah. did not touch on it at all and wait, I wait, let's do it to round up wrap it up what yes. do you think give your top tips top one so i kind of want to just run through the schemes that are out there mm-hmm. that young people can use to get the property so probably the most common is the lifetime isa Mm-hmm. slash to help to buy ISA if you have one if you've got one at the time but the lifetime ISA is still out there that you can open up so the lifetime ISA is a savings account that is government backed essentially you can save up to £4,000 per tax year and the government will top it up and that's 25% which works out to be a maximum of £1,000 per tax year mm-hmm. which you can use was the property um, the purchase of your first property um, which is great obviously it's a no brainer if you're saving up mm-hmm. why not put in your lifetime ISA um, one thing to note there is that if you withdraw for anything that isn't your first property purchase, retirement, or a terminally ill, it's a 25% penalty fee you'll pay on the withdrawal. So if I take Which out a thousand pounds, I'm actually gonna get 750 because I have to pay 25% in the penalty. Basically fee. the money they gave you, they're taking it. <clears throat> Pretty much, yeah. essentially, that's that's what it is, right? You're just taking out your money, but you forfeit the penalty. Um, the Sorry, the, the top up from the government. And also another thing to note is that you need to have the lifetime ISA for at least 12 months before you can use it towards purchasing your first house, which a lot of people don't realize. They open it tomorrow put 4k in there so yep let me get the bonus and use it to buy my property you can't do that yourself at least for a year to purchase but yeah. again a good scheme that the government's put in place for first-time buyers very good um similar to the helps help to buy ice which is slightly different you could put when you first opened it at the time in 2019 you could put a maximum of 1200 in the first month then after that it's 200 pounds every single month thereof and i think if you worked out i did the math something like it takes you about five years to save up the maximum which is about twelve thousand pounds in there Government puts on 25%, which is about 3,000. So it'll give you 15,000 pounds towards the purchase of your first house, which mm-hmm. again, is great. If you look at actual schemes, they have the help to buy scheme, which is help to buy equity loan. 
Mm. So you take this out the loan. They, this is where they sting you. Right, right. Yeah. So the help to equity loan is a loan that you take out towards purchasing your first house. You can borrow either, I think it's 20% if you're moving outside London or 40% if it's in London, I believe. Um, and this is essentially to help you buy f- your first property. This usually is on new builds. So it's not just on like, I found a house on the street. I want to use it on that. It's for new builds typically and new builds who are part of that scheme. But again, you can take out the loan for the first five years. You don't pay it back which is what many people fall into, right? First five years, don't pay it back. And then on the fifth year, you start paying it back with interest and interest is usually CPI plus 2% and it increases every single year. CPI that. plus 2%. So yeah. currently inflation is 9.4. So it'd be 9.4% plus, plus 2%. 2% and increases every single nice year. Nice one. Increases every single year by 11, 2%. 11.4. Yeah, nice. so it will just keep going up, which is what people people use it to buy in London, especially because it's about 40%. 40%. Um, but it does increase. So it's something to, to note there. Um, but again, that is one scheme. We have the shared ownership scheme, which is again, depending on who you ask, some will say it's amazing, some will say it's terrible. I'd like to ask you, what's your views on it? Explain it. Let me explain it and I'll give you my views on yeah. that. So shared ownership is essentially where you buy a percentage of a property and you'll rent the remainder. So for example, if I want to buy a shared ownership property, um, I might buy 20% and rent the remaining 80%. And then from there, you essentially can do something called staircasing, which is where you buy a bigger percentage of the property. So if I now, so like I said, I started with 20%. If I now want to buy an extra 10%, so I have 30%, I will staircase to that. So I'd buy the difference and remain the remaining 70%. My view on that, shared ownership is typically just on new builds. Again, shared ownership properties, usually you can only sell to some, okay, so okay, let me explain. So when it comes to shared ownership, if I bought one, like I said, I've got only 30%, Running the remaining 70%, let's just say. And I decide, right, this has been a good run. It's been two years. I'm done. I want to sell this property. I now have to offer it first to the housing association who's given me shared ownership. They now have first refusal of, you know, my, my, my sale. They might buy it from me, my 30%, they might not. And then if they choose to decline it, I now go to the open market, right? So someone can come and purchase it from me but again they have to be looking for a shared ownership property which again limits your pool because yeah, not everyone's yeah, looking yeah. to do that it's a fucking myth man it yeah, is sorry, go on. and what you tend to find as well is the staircase i just mentioned when you increase your your ownership of the the property is upon the discretion of the housing association or whoever's giving you the shared ownership and i've heard different stories from people and from what i've heard people who actually have shared ownership is that a lot of these associations don't give you the opportunity to staircase so if i started off 20 percent and i said right i'm ready to goes 50%. I've got the money to be able to staircase and earn 50% now. If they change their mind and say, mm, we don't want to give you that opportunity. That's, what I, heard, that's what I heard. I didn't know if there's it was a myth. No, there's yeah. nothing you can do. That's it. You can't staircase. And a lot of people find themselves in this trap. Like you can't sell because they want shared ownership. And you can, share, you can only sell to shared ownership people who want to do that. And then they also find it impossible to staircase. So you start off with 15%. And now I want to go to 30%. They won't so, let me go so to 30%. You own... You own this property that you don't really own and you're yeah. paying rent on and mortgage. Yeah. Nice yeah. one. So it's, 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 I will say to people like figure out your situation and make sure it's something that works for you and understand fully if this is something that works for you. Cause some, for some people, brilliant. For mm. some people, if it wasn't for shared ownership, they wouldn't be able to get in a property either. So this is the, the best way for them to get on there. Own part, rent the remainder. But for other people who just didn't fully research it and said, yeah, someone told me to do this. I'm going to do that on a new build. You know, it's they, they didn't really realize and what you find as well um is that a lot of new builds like the actual price is just inflated they've inflated the, the value of the new builds and it's not actually the real value mm-hmm. for that new build and mm-hmm. I, sh- I should also mention sorry when it comes to equity loan i forgot 
when you come to sell the property, so let's say, remember I said it's five years, you don't pay back mm. the loan. The government take the percentage back, don't they? They take the percentage back, but they take, take the percentage back of the current, the current value. value yeah. So if it's gone up, you now have to pay them 40% of the new value. And that's where people get stung. They'll buy a new build, they'll do a renovation and they'll extend it. And then that capital gain, they get the government sting them back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Which a lot of people don't don't realize mm. so those are the two main ones obviously there there is right to buy if you live in a council place which essentially is what, what we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. you know you live there for three years and you get discount it's typically up to 50 percent off um which is a great it's a great opportunity it's great for lots of people especially i find people's parents who've mm. lived in council houses i've heard in london though they're trying to bring it back properly but i heard now the discount is, is terrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's not the fifty percent that it should have been. Apparently, it's only like sixteen k now, up to sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So like they, they have kind of reduced it, but I think it is still a, a a good scheme for people's parents who've lived in places for like 20, 20 years and have no idea that they could do right to buy. Yeah, I think they're they're, they're a few decades behind the curve. They are, but I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to someone who wants yeah, to say yeah. like, you know, what, I can actually with this deposit and I get the discount. Why not do it? Um, again, that is another option. But when it comes to, I think, first time buyers, like I said, lifetime ISR is definitely a key one. If you don't have one or help to buy, right to buy this. So, so it's they sting you yeah. on that as well. I know a girl who, she was estranged to her parents, so she got put in a flat in Camden when she was like 16, um, and she was on like council housing. They give they gave her a good property because obviously she was young. But any renovation she does to the council property, because they give it, they give you a discount of the current right to buy value. If you put say twenty grand on your property, which she did in renovations, she has to go buy that discount so it doesn't get taken off. Mm. So she put money in to then pay more when she purchased yeah. it. So she That's got stung like that. Yeah, I think it's again a lot of it is down to just research and understanding how these these schemes work because it's so important. Mm. Um, but like I said, if you are first time i are looking to get your first property in the next five years definitely would encourage everyone watching listening to get a lifetime isa 100 percent, completely free it just makes sense just to sign up and get it with, with the way the government moves i wouldn't be surprised if they, they stop the lifetime isa in the next couple of years mm. so get it while you have it because once you have it oops, once you have it you've got it right you get the keep getting the government bonus and another thing that people don't realize the lifetime isa is if if i have it and i've been saving in it and i get my first property I can keep saving in it towards my retirement and keep getting the government bonus. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can you can still keep saving for your retirement. <clears throat> it's another pot. The government tops up up to a thousand pounds each year. Why do you not want to have extra money towards your retirement, right? So again, it's a no brainer. Um, but definitely, what I would say is to have a research into the first time buyer schemes if you are interested in going down that route because they will have their pros and their cons. It's understanding what fits into your lifestyle and into your current situation and what's going to work. Can people reach out to you if they want more information? They can indeed. I do actually have a very, very in depth video on the uh, first time buyer schemes where I go into a lot of depth um, if you are someone who's interested in one of them. But you can also reach out to me as well. Lovely. That was a good one. Enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. We'll do it again. So yeah, where, where where can people find you as well? If you want to find my platform, it's pennies to pounds, pennies, IES to pounds on everything, literally everything. So we're going to do a TikTok. little TikTok. Yeah, every every platform that you can think of, even website, we've got website. Um, that's currently actually being renovated, but we've got everything. Um, so you can find us there. If you want to find me personally, it's Ikea, I-K-E-E-Y-A-H, again, on everything. Um, yeah. Oh, and catch on Channel 4. Oh, and Channel 4, Money on My Mind. Put it on YouTube, it will come up. And my lovely face is in the thumbnail, so you'll see it. Of course. Signing off, Skia. <laughs>